Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be The Streets to the Front Seat, episode number three with Tim Klett. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Very welcome. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about the engine company. Now, Tim, you, you've ridden the engine company a little bit in your career from what I remember in the Just conversations that we've had. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, kind of what we talked about before we started recording was the, uh, the tempo of the engine company and the importance of stretching and operating the first line. So, Tim, let's well, go through I some mean, of the basics and some of the must-knows. Well, you know, the funny thing is you use, the, use a real good word there, the tempo. And I think that, um, you know, when that line gets stretched properly, positioned properly, and operated properly, it does set the tempo uh, for the rest of the operation. If that line falters in any way, whether it's during stretching, setting up, you know, the wrong size line, all those little those little things, uh, that tempo could be uh, damaged and they'll have impacts to the uh, to the outcome of the operation. So uh, that's one of the reasons I like to be in the engine officer so much because uh, your decisions, your actions really did set the tempo for the fire and everybody else to build off of what you did uh, as far as that first arriving engine company. And, you know, that's and something else we talked about, too, is, you know, the fire gets a say in a lot of this as well. I think the example you used was if you pull up and there's a house on fire and there's fire and smoke blowing out of every single crack and crevice and window in the entire house, are you going to be able to go in on that fire? You're not. Um, you know, as the engine like we said, who makes that decision? Yeah. You know, that's the fire made that decision for me. I didn't, I didn't have to pain over any decision I pulled up and that was an easy one because you know, the decision's there for you most of the time. You've just got to apply the information that the fire's given you, the people giving you, the ticket information give you, and apply it. And, you know, normally you come out with a pretty good decision. Yes, very true. Um, yeah, and you have, to, you have to paint a picture of the entire thing as well, right? You have to be able to see, as the officer, and, you know, I ride an engine as well, um, one of the biggest things that I noticed was just slowing down. Right. You're not saying walk at a snail's pace, but what I'm saying is there is a, a tempo in which you should move. Um, you know, a lot of guys run, you know, where I work, everybody's kind of on top of each other and it's a very, very, very fast pace uh, area. And um, guys run. Some guys walk. Uh, well, you know, we talked a little bit about that as well. And I will tell you that, um, you know, and, and in my opinion, and again, like I don't want to start a, a controversy here, but in my opinion, that. Um, I, I believe running is one of the most unprofessional things we do on the fire ground. And like, I agree with that. I'm not talking about walking, but you know, the fire ground is all about perspective and the more perspective I have of the fire problem. And I guarantee if I, if, you know, if I take some time and uh, enhancing my perspective of the fire, building the fire problem and any other information I have, um, I can beat everybody to, to, to their destination without running. You know, and, and the big question is, why are you running? Are you running to, are you running for just for the sake of running? Are you running to try to beat somebody out of their assignment? Uh, you know, that's, that, that's the question I would have, you know, and they always say, uh, you know, like if you're not running, you're taking time away from the people that are trapped. And, you know, I, I would agree that, that, um, that, that might be true, but I'm saving so much more time and widening my perspective. Um, like I told you when we were talking is I had a, a discussion, I won't call it an argument with a guy and, and they always say the same thing. And he said, Hey, if your house was on fire and your kids were trapped, would you run? And it's a good question. 
And I looked right at the guy. I says, you know, you're fighting my argument for me right there. He goes, how do you figure? He goes, of course I'd run. Of course I would run if it was my family. I said, but I told him, you forget that I've lived in that house for 30 years. I know every inch of that house. I know what every window represents. I know how to get in. I know how to get out. I know what every floor surface is in every room in that house. I know exactly where the kids are. I don't have to slow down and widen my perspective. My perspective of that building has widened over 30 years. And my question is, would you run up to a building you've never been into and get to the front door and not take any perspective of that building to try to figure out and narrow down where you need to be in that house, where the potential victims might be? Because I always say, if I think if you're running, you have a true destination and your your perspective narrows to that goal. You know, almost, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the term tunnel vision, but if you're running, I don't care who you are, your adrenaline's pumping and your perspective of that problem has narrowed very small and you're not taking in the entire picture. Yeah. That's and you know, so, no, I, I, I totally agree. And <clears throat> excuse me. I, one thing I've learned too, especially as being an officer is, you know, you can't get a full picture when you're running, right? Your perspective changes. Um, you know, I, I will say tunnel vision, and, and I'm only saying that from my personal experience where if I find myself hyper-focused on something and I don't take a breath and kind of slow down a little bit and see the big picture, I will miss something. Mm. I have missed stuff. Um, and it's never been anything necessarily gigantic like fire in a basement or yeah. operating over top of it. I, yeah, I don't there, think there is also a caveat to that. And, you know, like if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm going up to the command post or I'm looking for an assignment, and I, that's when I'm taking my, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm heading for the chief and I'm ta- I'm taking my perspective shot. If you're walking and you're, if you're running to the chief, you haven't looked at the building. So if I'm walking up to the chief to get my assignment and I'm looking at that building and I get my perspective and I walk up to the chief and he says, Timmy, can you get in there and do this for me? Well, then I may not run, but I'm double timing it after that point because I've already taken my perspective and now I've got to define, now I've got to define task. That's been assigned to me after I've been able to take that overview of the building in the situation. So at that point, yeah, I'm moving a little bit, but I'm still not at a full out run. I just, you know, you see so many videos of guys running with hose, falling down, tripping, slipping, getting stuck on fences, you know, and I'm not saying walk. I'm just saying, hey, be diligent, be deliberate in your movements and get it done right the first time. Because you'll never know how that trip or that fall or that snag or that kink that you created by running affects you at the other end until it, till it truly affects you at the under other end of that. And then you can't complete your task simply because you did something stupid from point A to point B. Sure. And, you know, the other thing, too, is <clears throat> the goal, obviously, the goal of the engine is to pull a line of uh, sufficient length and GPM to, you know, put the fire out. But... You know, you I'm trying to think of how to say this. The goal the goal is the seat of the fire, not um the front door of the house, right? So there's gonna be well, obstacles, there's gonna be all kinds of things between But the goal the goal is truly, you know, like like the, the first line is only the is the only line with a defined um sure. destination. And that destination, you know, if we look at our, our oath that everybody wants to go to, and our oath, you know, is protecting life and property. And life mm-hmm. came first. So you know, that line needs to be positioned between the primary means of egress and the fire to protect anybody possibly trapped. Our goal is to put that line that line between the fire and anybody possibly trapped by it, but also when people forget, and to protect anybody that are going to get those people. 
Now, 99% of the time, by doing that, by putting our line in that position, that line's going to go go forward and put the fire out. But it's true goal, it's true destination. Whether it's the whether it's the front door, the side door, or the rear door, whatever they're using as the primary means of egress is to position that line to protect the interior stairs or protect the, where those guys are going to get their potential trap victims. That's its goal. And if we can keep that in mind and apply that to our decision making, I think down the road, a lot of these operations start to play out a little better. What do you think is the best way to get yourself in the best position to do that as far as uh, getting that line in place successfully? What do you think as an officer, what do you think uh, this guy well, should be thinking and how to get that done? So, again, I believe that, that you know, the, the, I think all of that starts way before the fire. Um, and we had said last time when I was on that, you know, training was a big deal to me and training was a non-negotiable. And I think the more you train, whether you have five firefighters or two, because, uh, you know, in a two fire, if it's you and if it's you and one guy stretching, um, I think that's a true engine officer. I mean, like that guy has got so much Dewey. He's got a dual role of a backup fireman and an officer. And he's got to he's got to make those decisions on when to be the backup and when to be the officer. And I think some of that can be accomplished ahead of time through training, like, you know, helping helping my nozzle firefighter stretch but not being so dedicated that it stretched that I miss everything else. Do you, you know what I mean? Yes. So if I train him the ability to stretch the bulk of that by himself, to set it up at the entranceway by himself, I can take care of some other things, you know, uh, a 270, I call it. I'm not a big 360 guy for the first two line because, and I, I tell everybody, what's happening in the rear of a house is not going to change where I take my line as an engine company. The truck may need to know because they may have victims in the rear. But as far as an engine company is concerned, you know, the rear of the house has almost zero bearing on wearing by bringing my line. That's pre-decided. I'm bringing it to the primary means of egress to protect the people trapped by that fire and the people that are going to get that. So, you know, very rare is the primary means of egress in the rear of a house. Now, do I want to take a quick look? Sure. But it's not going to, it's not going to determine where I bring my line. So through training, if it's if it's if it's a limited manpower company, you know, we can we can fix some of those problems that are arise. And again, there's that problem of running. If we have problems because we're running and we trip and we have snags, I don't have the firefighters uh, to solve that issue. So that's why if we if we are more diligent and more deliberate about how we do things in, in a in a limited manpower fire company, I think we achieve those goals realistically of getting that line at the proper place positioned set up and ready to advance with with two three four or even five five fires so let me ask you this because this this has come up and, and i think nationwide typically i mean besides like larger departments and major cities and and large counties i guess um three person engine companies probably going to be i would 85 percent of your departments just the officer the norm, driver too, yeah. one one fireman yep. um one thing <clears throat> when I first started as an officer, that that was kind of what we did. Um, a lot of it was only four people to the firehouse, and it was just you and the driver, just officer and the driver. So you had to do a lot of the stuff, a lot of stuff by yourself. Um, but if you are a three-person engine, or even even a four-person, or maybe five people, I guess somebody out there might have them. Where do you think the officer should position themselves? Do you think uh, ahead of the hose line, behind the hose line, with the nozzleman, um, just behind him, off to the side? What, what are your What are your thoughts on that? So if I have four firefighters, a chauffeur, myself, a nozzle, and a backup, I'm probably positioned on the opposite side of the line with the, you know, in a position, not between them, but um, 
nozzle, let me, me on one side, back up on the other side. Now, if it's just me and a nozzle firefighter, which is, I think is more common. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought I would never take the nozzle. It would have to be an extreme emergency uh, for me to take that nozzle. And, and one of the reasons I say that is, you know, this may seem a little egotistical on my part. You know, I think I'm good, but I don't think I'm good enough to be the nozzle man and the officer and do the two duties but that both of those positions are responsible for. Because the nozzle firefighter's perspective is very narrow. And that's where I want it. I, you know, I, if I point to my nozzle firefighter and say, hey, there's the fire, go get it. You know, I want that. I want him focused on what he's doing. Whereas the officer, their perspective is a little bit wider. And I think if I put, if I took the nozzle, it would be very hard to keep my perspective wide enough to be the officer and the nozzle man. So to answer that question, if it was just me and a a nozzle man, I would 99.9% of the time be in the backup firefighter and play the dual role there. Uh, Back up the nozzle firefighter when I need to be supplying with hose when I need to do that, but also switch back and be the officer when I need to be the officer too. And I think in that position, it's a lot easier than being the nozzle man and trying to switch back and forth. And plus, you know, um, people have said to me, like, what if the guy's a a probie, it's his first night. I can talk a two-year-old through a fire. You know, if I'm, if, if I, if he's in front of me, he's going nowhere and I can talk him through that fire. If, if that firefighter is behind me, I have zero control as an officer. You know, if zero control on that guy. So even for that reason, I would keep them in front of me. But I would very rarely, very, very rare, unless it was a true emergency, take that nozzle as the officer. Sure. Again, my know, thing, I'm sorry. What was the last part? I, I said, again, that's my opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. My So my experience is fairly close to the same. I, I've always been a kind of behind the nozzle kind of guy. Um, I, I think going ahead of the hose line and finding it and shutting the door and saying, Hey, it's the, you know, the second door on your left or down the hallway on the left. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think it is either. I, and, but I also think what I, I mean, what I've learned is if you get too far away and then there's a lack of communication, they go the wrong way. Now you're alone. I feel like the command and control aspect of it in zero visibility or, you know, limited visibility where everything, anything becomes more difficult because well, you can't see, can't so- hear. So again, like we can, we can circle back and say, Hey, listen, you know, I've trained my, if it's just me and my nozzle man, I've trained that nozzle firefighter. So even if I help him with the stretch, even if I'm forced to help him with the stretch, once the line is all at the front door, it's going to be incumbent on that guy to be able to, to set that nozzle up for the advance and make his own estimates. You know, we want to see a nozzle coupling by the front door, but a lot of people believe that in a pre-connected hand line, there's no hose estimate simply because it's pre-connected which isn't true. We always estimate the distance from the front door in, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we need to know how much hose we need inside that, the occupancy. So, you know, while that firefighter is setting up to do that and getting nozzle coupling, I'm not against crawling into that house. He's not in the fire building yet. Trying to see, go, go as deep as I can. If I can locate the fire, great. Maybe even find a civilian. But, you know, once, he, once he, I come back, if that firefighter is ready for water, I may grab him by the shoulder and drag him in. And I might be in front of him, bringing him to where the fire is. But once we get into a position that we're going to operate the nozzle, I have to, it's incumbent for me to move in behind that nozzle firefighter and begin to play that dual role of being the officer, but also being that backup firefighter. Sure. And, you know, and to circle back a little bit, something you brought up, and this is actually kind of a bit of a 
a bit of a lesson that I learned recently in the last uh, couple days is, you know, you, you mentioned about the pre-connect hose line, knowing the exact length of the line. Well, you have to know what your target is, right? An undetermined mm -hmm. target and you pull a hand line, you need to really communicate with your, with your nozzle team or your, your firefighters uh, exactly where you're going to go. If you're not sure where you're going to go, like let's say they tell you to go to the rear, but you really don't have an exact target of our line will be in this room on this floor in this building, whether it's an exposure, the fire building, well, it's whatever a generalization it is. of where you want to go. Right. Yep. So that's why we say we, we put enough at the front door to cover the entire fire area. Sure. And the biggest thing you need to do, and that's kind of, you know, I, I didn't think I was, I don't want to say wasn't bad at it. I, I think I um, didn't appreciate the value of clear communication for saying, this is where we're going to stage, but we're, I'm not sure of the target of exactly where we need to be. Let's get the 400 line off. Let's get the 250, whatever well, the line. Well, that's the fail safe. Sure. You've got to have a fail safe. If, if you're not sure, then it's got to be the fail safe. You've got to fall back to the fail safe and take that longest line. Now, normally the longest line is reserved for the second line because that line goes everywhere the first line didn't go. Sure. But the other thing I want to talk about, about you know, it's a very good conversation is, um, you know, we've got to get back to talking about hose in the right terms. Now, when we're stretching hose and we're estimating hose, we estimate it in lengths. When we're advancing hose, we ask for it in feet. Does that make sense? Because we've yes. lost that. So what I mean is if I look at a building and I say, okay, I need 75 feet of hose to get to the front door. How many lengths is that? One and a half. Can you stretch one and a half? You cannot. So you got to stretch what? Two. Two, yeah. If it's 52 feet to the front door, how many lengths do I got to stretch? One, lengths are 50 feet or 100? 50, 50, right? 50 feet lengths. 50 foot lengths. Okay. Uh, so if it's 53 feet to the front door, how many lengths? Two. It's got to be two. So when we're stretching hose, you can't go, okay, 65, 34, 70. It's no. two lengths to the front door, one length, out, one length up the stairs, and then one length on the fire floor. Once we're advancing and attacking hose, what is the nozzle man? Hey, I need what? Give me five more feet. Yeah. So that's where we have to get back when we're talking about our hose estimates and stretching. It's lengths. I can't stretch 12 feet of hose. I can't stretch 53 feet of hose. And to do that, I've got to stretch two lengths. But once we're flowing and moving that line in an occupancy, then we'll, hey, well, how much do you need? I need four more feet. I need 10 more feet. You've stretched enough because you stretched the right a number of lengths. Now it's just a matter of getting that once you're advancing. Who's ever asked when they're advancing a hose line, flowing water, I need another length. Right. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. And and for some reason, we've lost those estimates and we start we, like somebody told me the other day, well, we measured and it's 15 feet, uh, eight inches to cover a flight of stairs. And I looked at him, I go, so it's one length. Because I can't stretch 50. Well, if, we, if we're going to start making 15 foot lengths of hose for stairways, knock yourself out. But yeah, <laughs> you've got to get back to the basics when we're talking about stretching hose and and the requirements of that. And it's links when we're stretching and when we're advancing, it's feet. And we have to talk about it that way. And you also know your target once you start talking about feet too, right? So yeah. if you were to say, and we, I think, <clears throat> I think a lot of the places use the same terms we do and I, we call them sections, right? Um, sections of hose, lengths of hose. It's, they're, it's, they're it's semantics. It's semantics. Um, but, you know, I think that's where that 
changes once you actually have that known target because the target is, we'll, we'll just say for ease of conversation, a room and you're 10 feet away. I need 10 more feet of hose. Well, that's where the difference is, I think, because now you have that target. Whereas before, you know, grab the 300 foot attack line. Well, we don't know exactly where we're going, but we know we need to go to that building onto the yeah. second floor to operate above the fire. Yeah, we're not exactly sure exactly. With six links or six sections. That's yeah. the fail safe. That's what we stretched because we weren't sure. sure. Now we've got plenty of hose. Now I only need 10 feet. To, um, I've got I've got water in the line anymore. I'm advancing. Now I need 10 feet of that 300. Sure. Right? That, that's the fail safe. And, you know, like too many times are we trying to be finite about our stretches. You know, and I'm not talking stretching a thousand feet of hose for a first floor fire. But mm. if you think, you know, if, 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 if the fail safe is 400, like you weren't sure and you stretched the 400 and it turns out to be a 200 foot stretch. So what, you know, it turns out you only need two. So what, you know, you, you, so all, all it hampered you was some increased friction loss. That's all it did. You know, you maybe had to manage some kinks at all, but I'm not a big kink hater. Um, you know, like people are, they want to talk about kinks, kinks. Listen, we can't be over concerned about kinks. It, they aren't as bad as, as you think they are. You know, the only ones that are bad are the ones right by the nozzle or right behind the nozzle. Most of those ones, they work themselves out. Sure. So with that being said, this is something else that kind of came up recently. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about uh, hose lines and when you have like, let's say a high rise building and you know, the first floor, your 400 foot attack line could probably reach 90% of it. Um, where do you stop using your pre-connect and when do you start hitting your standpipe racks? Cause this has come up and this is a little off topic of what we talked about before, but, um, I mean, we're kind of rolling right into that topic. So, so, and again, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of variables there. Um, I know that's a personally, personally, if I can stretch off the rig, Mm -hmm. Even at a standpipe building, you know, I'm going to stretch. Now, let, let's qualify that a little bit. We're talking the first and possibly the second floor. Okay. After that, you're going to be using your standpipes, right? If I had a first floor fire and I could stretch, I'm stretching. You know, the argument always was, well, if you're going to stretch it, you got to stretch it at two and a half. And, and that's kind of a ridiculous argument. Um, you know, because they, they base the standpipe building as a two and a half building simply because that's what we take off the standpipe, right? So every line there has to be a two and a half. Well, the reason we take the two and a half off the standpipe is nothing more than hydraulics. That's what the system is designed to supply. So I can stretch inch and three quarter to a first floor fire there. And, and the flow is going to be quite adequate for just about any fire there. So if I can stretch for my rig, because the reason I do that is very little can go wrong. If I have a pre-connected hose line, very, very little can go wrong getting that nozzle to where it needs to be to do the best good. Whereas uh, a standpipe operation is the total other end of the spectrum where everything needs to go right for us to get that line in operation. We've got to find a hydrant that, that's close enough to the uh, Siamese sort of standpipe connection, Right. We've got to carry our folds. We've got to connect it. We've got to flush the system. We've got to find a place to flake out, make all the connections, and then advance on the fire. There's there's four or five different engine evolutions built into the evolution of a standpipe operation. So if I can stretch first, possibly second floor to standpipe building, I would do that just to make it easier. After that, just too many doors to go through. It's, it's too time consuming to, to do that. 
to stretch in those big buildings. And then you may not be able, because you're going to start eating up holes going vertically, you may not be able to make it to where you need to be. Sure. No, that I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I know that's come up. Um, I feel like I've heard it a lot of places. A lot of guys talk about that. And it's always, it always feels like it's a topic of discussion. Um, in but my the argument was always, well, if you're going to stretch, you got to stretch a two and a half. Right. And I would say, I, I even with chiefs, I'd go, why? Well, because, you know, they, you need a two and a half in that building. I said, well, why? <laughs> well, because it's a standpipe building. And, and they think it, you know, a lot of, a lot of people believe it's about gallons per minute. It's about reaching a stream. It has nothing to do with that. It's simply because that's what the system is designed to supply. No more, no less. It's hydraulics. That's all. That's the only reason. And while we're on that, we're, I want to roll into the last topic. Um, the right line for the job. Um, <laughs> obviously, so, I mean, we're on the topic. Um, that was the last thing I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit, especially uh, line selection for the, for the officer. Where I work, uh, commercial buildings, you need a two-inch line. Well, actually, it says line of flowing, a hose line of flowing 200 gallons per minute, I think is the exact exact words it says. But that's going to be the, the two-inch line. In New York City, it's a two-and-a-half for okay. a commercial building. The so, gray area was a commercial occupancy, which you probably have a lot of, which would be a, a, like a, a two-and-a-half-story frame that's got a store on the first floor, you yeah, know, a mom and, and pop store. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody lives on top, like a taxpayer, I think is what they're called. Uh, well, we call taxpayers, are, taxpayers are one or one-story commercial building that's was built to offset the taxes of the property. That's the New York city term of it. Mm. But if I have a, if I have a, a, a three-story brick building and I have a store on the first floor, that's a commercial occupancy. It's still a, it's still a residential building. It's just got a, it's more of a mixed occupancy building. And, and the argument for us was, you know, why can't I take the inch and three quarter to that fire? And they said, well, it's a commercial building. I'm like, well, no, it's really not a commercial building. It's, a residential building with a commercial occupancy on the first floor. So that's one of the changes that we did make in the uh, the new engine manual in New York City is that you have the option of taking an inch and three quarter to a store on the first floor of a, of a uh, of a tenement, you know, three story building. Right. But uh, if you're again, you've got to have the fallback. If you're if you're in doubt, you've got to go either with the two inch or the two and a half inch holes line, you know. And that's that's our standard SOP for commercial buildings and and a lot of people think it ends there. The two and a half is only for big water, big fire, right? And I think as an engine officer, you've got to be able to evaluate the situation and, and make some decisions about what your goals are. Um, you know, if I go to a bigger, a, a, you know, say a two and a half story frame and and I've got viable reports of multiple people trapped and I've got a pretty good, a, a, a decent body of fire on the first floor that the inch and three quarter would be overly more than capable of taking care of. Uh, it would just take a little bit more time than the bigger line. I'm stretching that bigger line, not because I'm looking um, because I have a big fire problem. It's because I have a big rescue problem. And the quicker I can get that fire knocked down, you know, by putting more water harder, faster, and deeper, the better chance those people have of survival because the only thing that's going to save them is for them to be taken out of that building and I've got to give the people going to get them the opportunity, that window of opportunity to get into a building that's heavily charged with fire to get those people. So, you know, I might stretch the two and a half at something like that, where the fire load or the, the, the volume of fire doesn't, doesn't necessarily require that flow. But I'm looking for a quick and hard hit. I can always step that two and a half down to the inch and three quarter to clean it up. But I'm looking to put more water harder, faster and deeper. And I've even told people if I had if I had a really good I wouldn't be against the dumping the deck gun in the first floor of a house an occupied house 
if I had viable, true reports of people trapped on the floor above where, you know, I needed a quick knockdown to give them the opportunity to go get them. So it's, it's all, you know, in the engines, you got to make those decisions yeah. about what your goal is. The goal is to put the fire out. And I get that. But if you, every time you add one more problem to putting the fire out, you have to make another decision based on that problem that's added to you. So I pull up, I got a bedroom fire on the second floor of a house. That's no big deal. I got a bedroom fire on the second floor of the house. You know, my rescue problem is probably one bedroom opposite of that. You know, so I'm not taking a big line there. My goal is just to put that fire out. But if I've got the living room, kitchen and dining room off on the first floor of a two-story house and the whole family's on a second floor, you know, I want as much punch as I can, if that makes any sense. It makes complete sense. Speed, efficiency, and um, getting the job done. Right? Well, you I know, mean, you get that argument. We can go all the way back to the beginning about right. running on the fire ground. Why are you running, right. right? So, because you're any second, you're, but they wouldn't take the two and a half in an occupied house fire, right? They wouldn't yeah. do that. But, but right. that gives you more speed and rapidity to knock that fire down. Harder, faster, and deeper. They wouldn't do that, but they'll run up to the building but they wouldn't make the decision that would buy them even, you know, a five to 10 second quicker knockdown, 15 second, 30, 20 second quicker knockdown that that takes all that running away. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, so that's, that's the kind of thing that bothers me about that, that they won't make that decision, you know, based on, and you've missed it. If you've ran, that's the thing. You, you've missed the fact that you need to put more water, harder, faster, and deeper. Yeah. Efficiency, water on the fire. Yeah. And- Get the job done. Yeah. So I was going to say the people that are trapped or, you know, the people going to put the fire out a lot, you know, the, it gets a lot better when the water gets on the fire and the fire goes out and you take the fire away and then everything gets better and your problems, they kind of end. So it's, some of it's pretty stupid. You know, I've had an argument. I argue with a lot of people. I'm stuck, but like, Oh, but you're not, so you're not concerned about water damage. And I go, do you think the person that trapped on a second floor is giving a shit if we, if their stuffed cushions get soaked or we knock a picture off the wall? Yeah. You really think that, that, that you're concerned about water damage by putting too much water in there to save someone on the second floor? I, I tell them, maybe you should find another line of work. Well, that's why life comes before property and environment it when it comes to. It yeah. has to. And, I'll, um, and listen, I'll, da- I'll damage a building any day of the week to save someone's life. Any yeah, day of the week. Yeah, you can replace a building. You can't replace yep. the people. You, you never can. So, Tim, I appreciate you. This is a good no, one. No worries. Anytime. Da- down and dirty. Engine company officer stuff. Guys, come back. Take a listen. This was the Streets to the Front Seat, episode number three with Tim Klett, the engine company officer. You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening. Yay. Well.